0: Welcome to episode 288 of the Family Medicine Rocks podcast for Thursday, January 3, 2013. That's right. Happy New Year, everybody. On today's show, do you self-diagnose using the internet? I'll be reading some comments from a discussion yesterday on this very topic. You'll want to stay tuned for that. Plus, are you a self tracker. If you are, you wear an app or use something like Fitbit. I'll explain. Finally, am I a social media fraud? (laughs) Some people think I am. Uh, I'll read an essay about that at the end of this podcast. Episode 288 of the Family Medicine Rocks podcast starts right now. kids. Welcome to the show that is passionate about medicine and social media. This is the Family Medicine Rocks podcast. I'm your host. My name is Mike Savilla, your favorite family physician host. What is this show about? Well, I tell people this is uh, social media through the eyes of a family physician. I encourage you to uh, check out my digital library of stuff at familymedicinerocks.com. Just redid the website last week, not me. I'm not that talented, but uh, there's a new Squarespace.com platform, and uh, it looks uh, looks uh, looks kind of cool uh, there with that. So I encourage you to check that out. And uh big shout-out to everybody following me on Twitter, all uh, 10,955 people following me on Twitter. And also uh big shout-out to all 694 people. Who like the Facebook page for this show? Thank you so much for that. Here at uh, Family Medicine Rocks World Headquarters, it is uh, it feels like 17 degrees Fahrenheit today. Is uh, Thursday, January 3, 2013. It is 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you so much for uh, joining me. The first show of 2013. So, thank you all for joining me live, or even uh, on the uh, podcast. Thank you uh, so much for that. So, uh, how's your holiday week been going? It's uh, been going pretty good uh, over here at Kind uh, of Medicine Rocks World Headquarters, and a Happy New Year to me. And uh, I, uh, <laughs> I got a pleasant little surprise. Uh, (laughs) earlier this week, unbeknownst to me, and I had nothing to do with it, but apparently if you go to uh, blogtalkradio.com right now and you hit the popular button at the uh, top of the page there, you will see me having the number one show across all categories over the past week. (laughs) The funny part is, it is a show that is almost five years old. That's right, it was recorded in 2008, uh, April 17, 2008. It was back in the do- old Dr. Anonymous days. Dr. Anonymous show number 31 with our friends Enrico and the uh, J, who called in live from India over the interwebs uh, to, uh, to call into the show. That was very exciting. It's always fun having people uh, from outside the country call in uh, to the show, so that was uh, fun. So, so uh, hey, I don't know why it was number one, uh, but uh, apparently a lot of people are downloading it. Uh, so thank you so much for that. If you want to go and check it out yourself, just go to blogtalkradio.com uh, slash Rocks and uh, scroll down to Dr. Anonymous show number 31 from April 17, 2008. I want to thank uh, <laughs> all the people who downloaded the show over the past week. I have no idea why, but uh, very much um, appreciate that. Uh so coming up on uh, today's show, uh have uh, a few topics going to be uh, talking about. Uh the first topic we'll be talking about in a few minutes uh, is about self-diagnosis using the internet. Why am I talking about that? Well, I was contacted by one of our local uh news reporters here uh this week and uh, they want uh do a little bit of a segment on that, do a little report on it. They want to talk to me, yeah, probably I'm thinking five or ten minutes and they'll uh, take the uh, best uh, two or three sound bites from that and put it in their report uh, but uh, uh, what they're looking for is that uh, they have it on their uh, television uh, Facebook page, and I'll put links to it uh, uh, in the show notes for this uh, for this show um it says uh when you are sick or have an ailment do you turn to the internet for your doctor do you think uh the web is helpful for self-diagnosis or do you think it should be left for professionals and uh, we'd love to hear from you and uh i'm going to be reading some of the comments from that uh, as of this broadcast here right this second there's 137 uh comments and uh, but yesterday over the first uh, two hours uh I think over 100 uh, came in the first couple of hours, so I'll be reading some of those. Uh, and also later in the show, I'm going to be uh, talking about, uh, you know, it is the uh, the first of the year. People uh, uh, usually start to uh, focus on their health and wellness and uh, using technology uh, to help them with that. So I'll be talking about some apps. Well, I won't be talking about some apps. I'll be talking about the idea of of tracking your own health. Uh, and uh, what uh, something is called uh, self-tracking, what is that about? Uh, in the last segment of the show, uh, we'll be talking about an interesting essay uh, from our uh, from our friend uh, Phil Bauman, and the title of it is, The Physician Social Media Has Advice About It Become a Crock." Yes, it has. <laughs> and uh, he had a blog post about that, so I'll be talking about that and giving my reaction to that coming up. Later in this show. But first, I do want to thank Blog Talk Radio for having me be a featured host on this network. Thank you so much for that. And uh, I've been a social media hobbyist since 2005. And if you're curious, yes, I am a real doctor. That's right. I am a uh, family physician in full time private practice, meaning I see patients five days a week in the office and in the hospital here in beautiful but cold northeastern Ohio. So I will uh, take my break, and uh, after the break, I'll be uh, talking about self-diagnosis using the Internet. Do you do that? Of course. It's very natural. Everybody does that. You're listening to the Family Medicine Rocks podcast, the unofficial podcast of the Family Medicine Revolution. Just Google FM Revolution for more details. And also a uh, proud member of the ProMed Network, a podcast you can get there by going to ProMed Network dot com and we'll be right back. That's right, Family Medicine's leading voice in social media, in my own mind. This is the Family Medicine Rocks podcast. My name is Mike Sevilla. Hey, check out familymedicinerocks.com. So topic one is self-diagnosis. And uh, I was uh, contacted uh, this week uh, by reporter uh, Julie Bursick from uh, WKBN Television here in the Youngstown Ohio area and you can go to their Facebook page and uh, they have a post from yesterday uh, and the post goes like this reporter Julie Bersick is working on a story and needs your help when you are sick or have an ailment do you turn to the internet before a doctor do you think the web is helpful to self-diagnose or do you think it should be left to professionals and as of the second, there are 137 comments, and I will share some of those with you. But uh, before all that, I do want to have my thoughts on the thing. And uh, beginning, uh, I, I want to quote some data. People always like data. This is data from our friends at the Pew Internet and American Life. Project. This is from an um, article or a blog post called Pew Internet Health. This is from November 13, 2012. And there are three facts here. If you don't know this already, pay attention. Number one, did you know that 80% of Internet users, that's 80% of Internet users, or 59% of U.S. adults, look online? for health information. Bet you didn't know that. Here's an interesting second fact. 31% of cell phone users, that's about a third of cell phone users, and 52% of smartphone users have used their phone to look up health or medical information, (laughs) probably in uh, my uh, doctor's waiting room (laughs) or in the exam room uh, because, you know, sometimes I run a little bit late. (laughs) And the third interesting fact is 34% of Internet users or 25% of U.S. adults have have read someone else's commentary or experience about health or medical issues on an online news group, website, or blog, i.e., FamilyMedicineRocks.com. So how about that data to kind of think about, kids? Especially the first one, 80% of Internet users look online for health information. Think about that. So before I, say, I share some of these comments, here's what I think, kids. Here's what I think about self-diagnosis and the Internet. Number one, the Internet is not going away physicians, and other medical professionals who ignore the Internet and the information that it offers will be irrelevant. And I mean that. Secondly, it's okay to use the Internet to search for your symptoms, however, comma, Diagnosis and treatment should be left up to physicians and those medical professionals who have training to make diagnosis and treatment decisions. Very important. Number three, after a diagnosis and treatment plan are made by physicians, please, 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 please use the Internet to go deeper and learn about the illness and treatment and ask questions to your doctor about what you found i think that's very important i think that's a good idea you should do that and finally there is good information on the internet and there is bad information about the internet duh how do you know what's good how do you know what's bad that is when you make a visit to your doctor to think about it. So even before I read some of these comments uh, from this uh, new station post, that's what I think about this. That's what I think about self-diagnosis. That's what I think about people and patients using the Internet. And it's interesting as I move on to this, uh, to this post from the radio station. Not from the, from the TV station. I'm just going to read some of these and react to them. The first one I'm going to read here goes like this: I always go to the internet first because it seems to be helpful before seeing the doctor. A lot of times, you can suggest things to them so they don't put you through many unnecessary tests and medications. I don't have insurance, so I have to help myself whenever. Possible, And there were a lot of comments in this Facebook post about people not having insurance, the struggle that it uh, is to not have health insurance and how that adds to complexity in caring for your own health care, and I understand that. Another comment goes like this, I know myself well enough now that I can pretty much self-diagnose. It's only when I have strange symptoms that I bother checking. When I do, I always check the Internet first. WebMD is great, as well as the Mayo Clinic, believe it or not, Livestrong.com. And I would agree with that. When I talk to patients, you know, a WebMD is, is is a resource that I definitely recommend. Um, most of the content uh, is uh, written uh, by physicians. Um, all of it is written and or uh supervised or reviewed uh by physicians. So that's good. The Mayo Clinic is also a good website. One of the leaders in the country when it comes to using social media, uh when it comes to um health education, patient education. Um so I definitely recommend that. Uh Live Strong, as you know, is a probably a cancer site. Um, um associated with Lance Armstrong. I haven't looked at that that much, so I can't really comment on the quality of that. Another comment goes like this. Absolutely, doctors are great, but they are not trained on nutrition unless they are a nutritionist. Just speaking for myself, my first goal when I get sick is to heal my body through nutrition rather than medication. Plus, I enjoy educating myself. It's usually free, and it always is empowering that's true i mean you know with our four years of medical school and, and varying years of residency following uh medical school that's true we don't get a lot at least i didn't get a lot of uh education about nutrition because there's all this other um, stuff that is out there to learn about so i definitely uh, agree with that another comment goes like this i turned to the internet Professionals charge too much, and normally uh, home remedies of the internet work just as well as the expensive prescriptions that the professionals prescribe. And it's true that you know some of them do, but some of them don't. Um, A lot of people, you know, which is usual, they paint a broad brush, they make generalizations which are uh, normally inaccurate. Uh, but you know, depending on what the home remedy is, it can be can be you know pretty decent when it comes to treating mild uh, type symptoms. There were a lot of comments uh, uh, having to talk about uh, not getting into the doctor right away, and, and that's why they use the internet. One comment goes like this: Usually, the internet because doctors can never see you right away. It's always three to four days later. And then now there are a lot of medical models out there, especially things like the patient-centered medical home, which I have talked about on the show numerous times, which is a treatment model, which is a health model, which is a medical model, you know, that tries to incorporate, you know, things like same-day appointments, getting you seen sooner so you don't have to miss work, miss school, miss uh, family events. To do that. So I definitely understand this commenter's having frustration getting in uh, to the doctor. Uh, another comment goes like this. Uh, I go to the Internet first, which has helped me ask the appropriate questions. When I see the doctor, this has helped me be more informed about my health instead of just getting a random test and not knowing what it's for. And a lot of patients I see do that. They they uh, They go to the Internet after they know what the treatment and what the diagnosis is they go to the internet to do more research about it and then they come back to me and say Dr. Savella this is what i found on the internet what do you think about it is it accurate is it inaccurate what do you think about it uh so yeah i think i think uh, i think that's a good way to use the internet when when talking about your symptoms and things and then you know there's um There's comments like this. There's way too much misinformation on the internet. I trust a trusted doctor is better is a better solution. Uh, definitely the doctor. I don't want a faceless dictionary diagnosing my ailments. Another one says websites are too general. They don't know about your pre existing conditions. Only your doctor knows for sure. And this last comment that I'll share from this uh, from this Facebook post uh, specifically has to do with primary care and, and uh, family medicine. And it goes like this. It says, uh, I look for information on the Internet to help figure out what I should be asking the doctor and to hear experiences from other people with the same symptoms and issues. Going to a family doctor, they can only scratch the surface of what might be ailing you give you meds, and tell you to check back if you don't get better. Some ailments require a specialist, and the more that you ask slash tell your doctor, the more likely you are to get a specialist sooner if needed. I suffered from undiagnosed asthma many months before I pushed to get a referral to a pulmonary doctor. So you can see a lot of that is, is venting and being frustrated about their own doctor, but, of course, generalizing it to all primary care and family doctors, which is not fair, but it happens, and I definitely can hear that and understand what they're saying. So hopefully that gives you kind of a little snapshot of of, uh, of uh, this um, news story that I have been asked to participate in when it comes to Self-diagnosis, diagnosing yourself over uh, the internet, and uh, it's it's uh, questions that I get all the time, and uh, I think it's it's good to to open that discussion and to have that discussion with your physician about what you find on the internet to see you know is it accurate, is it inaccurate, is it something that uh, can can uh, can impact your health. Um, I encourage my patients to bring that information in, you know, to print it up, bring it in, show it to me on your phone, um, you know, to, so we can talk about it. I, I think that's that's the best thing that I think that, that the Internet does. It, it, it opens that dialogue with your doctor so you can talk about your health. You can talk about what is best for your treatment and diagnosis. Let me take a break here, and after the break, we'll be talking about topic two, uh, having to do with self-tracking, what is self-tracking? Are you a self-tracker? <laughs> if you use an app on your phone or if you wear some kind of device like a Fitbit, you are. What am I talking about? I will talk about that more right after this break on the Family Medicine Rocks podcast. My name is Mike Savilla. Go check out FamilyMedicineRocks.com, and we'll be right back. Woo! Um, <laughs> Miami sound
1: machine big well, king of the hell, huh? I'm rolling to Miami. Ha <laughs> ha yo, letting it flow. Oh just drive, oh drive, keeping it live, right?
2: Can
0: y'all feel that? That's right. Social media through the eyes of a family physician. This is the Family Medicine Rocks podcast on the first show of 2013. This is show number 288. My name is Mike Savilla. Check out FamilyMedicineRocks.com. Hey, check out the new website there and uh, let me know what you think about it. Uh, so topic two. Topic two uh, is uh, came up actually from a uh, discussion on Facebook, another discussion on Facebook yesterday, having to do with with the beginning of the year and having people, uh, you know, monitor their their health, their wellness, their activity um, using mobile devices, using smartphones, uh, and uh, some devices, you know, like the Nike Fuel um, and the uh, Fitbit. Uh, and got into a, a pretty cool discussion, which I'm going to share with you uh, just in, in a little bit. But to kind of open the discussion, I want to uh, play a uh, about a 10 minute interview with uh, somebody I think who's, who's, who's uh, kind of really been uh, uh, talking about this and doing research and getting a lot of data on self tracking. Self tracking, to me, is um, you know, means you know tracking your own health, whether it's what you eat, how much you exercise. Um on you know a mobile device like a smartphone or even on your computer, or even on pen and paper it is it is you becoming empowered and and knowing more about uh your health and wellness um and of course you know the the e patients also play a role here as well i'm going to be playing a uh, an interview uh with Susanna Fox from the previously referenced Pew Internet and American Life Project. Uh, she's the Associate Director in Digital Strategy, and you can uh, check out her uh, personal website at susannafox.com. She calls herself a uh, Internet geologist. There's two interesting words put together. And just from her uh, website here, uh, she describes the Internet geologist as this. And she says, I was at a cocktail parley struggling to describe in just a few sentences what I do for a living. Then my friend broke in and said, you're an Internet geologist. You study the rocks and don't judge them. Exactly. I study patterns in the online uh, landscape and to provide data so people can better make decisions about the social impact of the Internet. And this, medicine, uh, this, this interview was from last fall from a meeting called Medicine X, which is at Stanford University in California. And uh, one of the interesting things that she'll say in this interview, uh, I'll, I'll, kind of, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll kind of steal her thunder here, and I believe I got this fact right, seven out of ten people in their survey Track their own health and wellness. And I encourage you, especially if you are in the medical community, you know, start asking around. Start asking around to the people that you work with or start asking around to patients and families that you know. Do you track something in your own health or wellness? Do your own survey and see what people say. You might be surprised about what you find. So for the next 10 minutes, I'm going to be playing this interview from Susanna Fox from Pew Internet and American Life Project. This is from the 2012 Medicine X meeting in Stanford. Here we go. Susanna
2: Fox is known as an Internet geologist, one who studies the patterns and changes at the intersection of healthcare and technology. Associate Director of the Pew Internet and American Life Project, Fox researches the impact of the Internet on families, communities, education, and healthcare. Her emphasis is on peer to peer healthcare and how the Internet can affect people living with chronic illnesses. Fox's current project focuses on the number of Americans engaging in self tracking, either for themselves or a loved one. Can you talk a little bit about some of the main research findings that you presented today?
1: So we get to do a health survey about every two years. In general, we study the social impact of the Internet, and um, we look at different aspects of life in American society, and health turns out to be an area where the Internet is having a significant impact. Um, This year we decided to go more deeply into engagement, and um, that in this case meant self-tracking. We had done um, a couple of survey questions in 2010 and gotten some feedback that we really weren't asking a broad enough question to capture really what Americans are doing. So we, we broadened it. We asked of all adults, um, do, you, do, you, do you track your weight, diet, or exercise routine? Sixty percent of American adults say yes. One in three American adults say they track their um, health indicators or symptoms like blood pressure, blood sugar, headache, sleep patterns. And one in three caregivers, and here's where I think it's really important because so much of the front lines of health care are people who are caring for a loved one at home, one in three caregivers are also tracking health indicators or symptoms. Now, a follow-up question sounds that half are tracking in their heads, (laughs) And, you know, I joked and said, um, you know, really the only tracking that I
2: personally do is whether I fit into
1: my skinny jeans.
2: Right, and I raised my hand when you said, how many women out there have a pair of skinny jeans And home? there might be
1: some guys who have some skinny jeans. <laughs> and, and so that's a lot of where we are today, that there are 7 out of 10 American adults who are self-tracking or think they are, um, but half are doing it in their heads. Um, there are smaller groups who are using paper and pencil, about 1 in 3, and then one in five, we're using some device, so an app or a website or, or a spreadsheet. Um, most are tracking, it's half-tracking it on a regular basis, half-tracking when something comes up, when something's triggered.
2: And can you talk about just what exactly a self-tracker is? There are some people out there who don't necessarily recognize that term. It's a great question,
1: and I think that um, it's really being defined um, as we move forward. I think that there have been some definitions of self-tracking that have come out of the life-logging and quantified self-movement, and then there's the the self-tracking that I just described. And and, um, in order to create survey questions that we thought were valid, we actually went to different communities um, and I did interviews and I actually blogged and put it on Twitter to get feedback from all sorts of different people about what we should include in our definition on the survey. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the the, um, delineation between um, tracking weight, diet, and exercise routine turned out to continue to be important um, as distinct from um, health indicators or symptoms. Um, And that. Also comes through when we look at people living with a chronic disease, two mm-hmm. or more chronic diseases. Mm-hmm. 62% mm-hmm. of that population tracks uh, health indicator symptoms.
2: Right, because I can imagine they're tracking their symptoms more regularly since they do have, have to deal with it over such a long time course. Right, right. Yeah. And so you mentioned before the statistic that 60% of Americans now track their weight, diet, or exercise. Mm-hmm. How has this number changed over time? Well, that's what I'm excited about, that
1: we're the first ones to do this survey work. So we haven't had data before, um, which is why I I love to do survey data, because it puts numbers on things that people think they know. um, And instead of guessing, let's have some data, um, which is the role that the Pew Research Center can play. Um, And it's a role that we often play in politics, as well as in education, civic life, and in this case, health.
2: Yeah, I'm sure so many people out there are very excited to see, you know, how these numbers change over time as we develop more self-tracking apps, ways for the, for patients to track their own data a lot easier yeah. than before. Yeah,
1: and actually, um, so I do have some data that's a trend, um, and, and that's about um, health apps. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, for better or for worse, the trend line for health apps um, is flat from between 2010, 2011, 2012, um, it's still just one in 10 cell phone owners Mm who have a health app. And so we're not seeing a a big increase there. Um, But we are continuing to see an amazing rise in the percentage of American adults who have a cell phone, and what's key, have a smartphone.
2: Mm -hmm. And why do you think that the number of Americans who are tracking using their cell phones has kind of plateaued over time? With the health app?
1: Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's an interesting question about whether it's um, – I talked a little bit about people's privacy and information security and control, right. um, control issues <laughs> right. that they might have yeah. about their data. Um, and so that could be a piece of it because our health information is so personal. Um, what people are tracking can feel very personal. Um, and so they might not be sure that an app is really the place to put that kind of trust. Um, and so that could be one hurdle. Um, another thing is that people might just not know which app to try, and so it's like being in a food court and losing your appetite. <laughs> um, there's too many choices in an app store. How do you know which yoga app to try or which, you know, food tracker to try? Um, right. And so people aren't adopting
2: them. So that's perhaps a potential role where physicians can come in and maybe give some advice about if you have a certain heart condition, you can use this app to track your diet, this app to track your exercise. Right. Um, And there is some interesting stuff
1: going on. I know Johns Hopkins is doing some studies right now in terms of effectiveness of apps. Um, And so that's something to stay tuned into that um, could be very compelling, that, that if there is actually clinical evidence that a certain app is useful... Then that really um, could turn the tide.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're just kind of pushing the envelope. We're yeah, just starting it's just to the see beginning. The revolution It's very exciting. Yep. It's an exciting time. Um, so you touched on the issues of privacy, um, and I just wanted to see if you could explore that a little bit more. You know, obvi- for obvious reasons, people are uptight about their health information. It's yep. very personal. Um, but do you see that kind of impeding the advancement of apps and self-tracking in health? You know, it's it's a really
1: so so the way that we decided to ask about it in the survey was to ask about sharing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, of the population that said that they were self-tracking, we asked if they share the data either online or offline. The majority is offline. If they share at all, one in three say they share. Um, so two out of three say they don't share, right. and it's just for themselves. Um, and then of the one third who share, half of those share with a clinician and the other half share with a family member, uh, spouse, uh, member of the group. And so in that way, I thought that that would be an interesting baseline to see where we are in terms of our attitudes towards sharing. Um, and as we heard in the panel of the people who are self-tracking, when they did bring it to their clinicians, they were mostly benign. Like, you know, I loved what Katie McCurdy said. Her doctor accepted it. You know, but it wasn't that the doctor necessarily welcomed Mm -hmm. those. And so what I hope to do with this data is, um, again, put numbers on something that people wonder if it's happening, they suspect that it's happening. Um, And maybe clinicians can start asking people if they are self-hacking
2: just to put that suggestion in someone's mind. Right. And also, yeah, and also for clinicians themselves to be more educated about different apps, and what to do with the results that patients bring in, what sorts of questions to ask, like how to interpret the data, I think would be really useful, too. That's something that we are definitely not being taught in medical school right, right. now.
1: Right, exactly. Yeah, no, this is, this is absolutely the, the beginning of a revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I like to always remind people is that, um, you know, we have a lot of these patterns are pretty ancient. Um, you know, we have an ancient... Instinct to to track some basic things about our health, and an ancient instinct to to share that when we need to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just now that the internet and technology is allowing us to um, speed up the um, rate that we're able to track and the rate that we're able to share. Um, and and spread the knowledge more quickly.
2: Right, yeah, definitely. Speaking of knowledge sharing, um, coming from a research perspective, I can see data tracking or self-tracking as just a gold line of information for research about what types of medication work, what type of lifestyle interventions work. You know, what do you think about that? Well, I think that they, um, that.
1: So When I look out at the landscape and I see different companies, um, I see nonprofits, I see government agencies all trying to figure out you know, where this is going, I think that a fundamental question that um, patients need to ask themselves, what is the truth that I want to find out about myself? And I think healthcare entities need to ask themselves. Am I ready for the truth? Am I ready to hear the truth about what really is affecting people's lives? Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so that's that's a question that that I look at when I look at the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and where do you see the future heading with your data? <laughs> Are you planning to do more surveys? Are you planning I would love to do more to. data analysis? Yeah.
1: So. Um, since I just got this new survey data back, I really can't wait to get back to my desk and get back to my data in Like a lot of tr- ways. Spoken like a true researcher. <laughs> um, I love to share it. I think it is so important to share it. Um, I think that the more we understand um, what it means that 85% of American adults have a tracker, which is what I call my cell phone now. Right, yeah. Um, I think the more we can understand how that changes us as Internet users, as people, as citizens, um, as I mentioned, um, I think that the work that my colleague, Erin Smith is doing in politics actually has a lot of parallels in terms of health, in terms of um, participatory democracy and participatory medicine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think that we can need to continue to study all sorts of aspects of the social impact of the Internet in order to understand these specific aspects such as health and healthcare.
2: Yeah. That's great. Is there anything else that you want to add or that you want to share? Um, I guess I would
1: just urge everyone to continue to, um, really stay focused on the present and respect the complicated lives that people are leaving, leaving already, um, and, um, notice the patterns of where people are already walking, um, mm-hmm. so that we can lay down the paths, um, mm-hmm. to make it easier for people, um, and, um don't get exasperated if somebody doesn't, you know, sort of take the path that you want them to take. Um, Notice the path that they do take, Mm -hmm. um, and ask them what they need, Mm -hmm. I think would be, like, the biggest piece of advice.
2: Right. So that speaks a little bit to patient empowerment, and kind of seeing how the patient's path, exactly as you said, is going, and then making interventions that, can fit the patient's lifestyle. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much thank for you. speaking with us and for being here at Medicine X. Your work is very inspirational. It's my pleasure.
0: And uh, you've been listening to an interview uh, with uh, Susanna Fox, uh, Associate Director at the Pew Internet and American Life Project, talking about self-tracking. She describes herself as a, an Internet geologist. And uh, that uh, audio was pulled from a video from uh, – Medicine X, and you can check out a lot of videos from uh, last fall's meeting at medicinex.stanford.com, and uh, there's uh, you can see the video of uh, Susanna Fox's interview there as well, along with a lot of other great interviews um, and sessions from the Medicine X uh, meeting. And, and what, and what you you know what you're really going to be seeing, if you haven't been seeing it already, you know, is is this wave out there, this wave of people really being empowered. Really, you know, tracking their own health and wellness, Um, you know, in the e-patient movement, you know, which is, you know, uh, know, people understanding their disease, uh, their illness, um, the disease process, their treatment plans. Uh, That's another uh, different flavor of uh, self-tracking. And I'm seeing that more and more um, in, um, in my office, people asking questions. Um, you know, people showing me apps on their smartphones, people showing me uh, things like the uh, Fitbit. And, in fact, yesterday, kind of what sparked this discussion was uh, our good friend, uh, Dr. Kim Yu from Michigan, uh, said that she got her Fitbit uh, yesterday. Uh, He's very excited about that. And, and for people who may not know what that is, you can go to Fitbit.com. But it is uh, uh, basically a, a pedometer. You know, it is it is something that, you know, counts your steps. Um, and for anything else, for me, I've been using it off and on for the past uh, six months. For any, for me, it's it's a reminder. It's a reminder uh, to myself to, you know, be more physically active um, and to not sit on the couch and to try to get out and do something. Now, the uh, Fitbit also comes with an app, um, and you can, uh, you know, you can track your calories. You can track your dietary intake with that. You can track your sleep. And uh, I was pleasantly surprised by a lot of my Facebook friends out there who uh, have the uh, Fitbit, who are going to be getting the uh, Fitbit because with the Fitbit and a lot of these these wearable uh, technologies like the uh, like the uh, Nike Fuel Band and the Body Media Band, is that there's a social media component where you can become friends, Fitbit friends, uh, with uh, with your colleagues and have a little bit of competition, you know. Like you know, who is going to you know walk the most steps in a day or in a week? Because uh, a lot of people are motivated by competition, and especially competition with your friends. Uh, so that is the social media component, and and to uh, uh, so so it's cool, it's interesting, uh, and you know a lot of people, you know, a lot of great discussion on you know on people using different uh, internet sites, um, you know, like a yoga sites uh, called uh, Yoga Glow. Y O G A G L O dot com. Uh, unlimited online yoga classes for only $18 a month. Uh, so that was from one of my uh, Facebook friends. Uh, uh, another person talked about the body media band. Uh, another person talking about uh, smartphone apps uh, like uh, Map My Ride, uh, Map My Fitness, um, uh, My Fitness Pal. A lot of uh, a lot of apps out there for smartphones uh, that uh, people uh, have been using, going to be using. Of course, this is being the uh, the third day of the year. A lot of people are interested uh, in uh, in tracking their health and wellness. Why not take advantage of that and steering them towards ways to empower themselves and to track their own health using smartphone apps and this wearable uh, technology. So, again, you know, at the beginning of the year, I am inspired to to get back on the, uh, the health and fitness wagon. I know a lot, a lot of people say, "Yeah, Mike, you're such a hypocrite. You don't do what you say, and you don't say what you do. And all I can say to that is, hey, man, I'm human. Like everybody else, you know, I'm not perfect. I have my good days. I have my bad days. I ate a lot of holiday and Christmas cookies over the holidays like everybody else. Uh, It's time for me and myself to really get back, you know, on the treadmill or on the track or doing, you know, the the free weights and machines and that type of stuff. And um, hopefully, uh, you know, I'll have a a nice group of people, my friends, uh, to not only uh, congratulate me as I succeed, but to encourage me when I get discouraged and frustrated to keep me going to – to uh, you know, look out uh, for my health alright so I will take one more break here and uh, I will be uh, reading and reacting uh, to a uh, an essay written by uh, uh, Phil Bauman called uh, Physician Social Media Has Advice About It Become a Croc yes <laughs> you don't want to miss this kids coming up on the Family Medicine Rocks Podcast My name is Mike Savilla. Check out familymedicinerocks.com The new website And I will be right back What is love Baby don't hurt me Don't hurt me No more Baby don't hurt Happy New Year from the Family Medicine Rocks podcast. The third day of 2013. That's right. The Mayans were wrong. <laughs> we are still here and going. And of course, you know, thanks to all of you for for supporting the show, supporting uh, the website. Uh, if you go to familymedicinerocks.com, that'll get you all my information as far as you know my uh, my uh, uh, Twitter account and and uh, uh facebook uh fan page and and uh linkedin and all that kind of stuff so just go to familymedicinerocks.com to get you all my links uh so in the last segment here i'm going to be uh, i'm going to be reading an an interesting essay uh that i that i caught from twitter <laughs> from our good friend phil bauman uh, from health is uh, social and uh he's trying to make a splash back into the uh, healthcare social media uh, spotlight here, and uh, uh, and and you know Phil, you know Phil always likes to try to you know drum up some controversy and get people upset, and that's you know as everybody says that's Phil being Phil, and uh, I will I will take the bait, <laughs> and I will read his essay uh, that was done in uh, I think in the past a uh, few days, if not in the past a uh, couple of weeks. So the title here is uh, uh, Physician Social Media colon has advice about it become a crock? Yes. And he has a letter here, which I will I will read. And it starts like this. Phil Bauman says, Dear Doctor, I started the first clinical Twitter chat for physicians. I am an advocate for the intelligent and creative use of social media and medicine for the rest of health care. I am the first clinician to sit on the first advisory board of the Mayo Clinic Center for Social Media. Although I am a nurse and many of you only listen to other physicians, parentheses, that's cool, I get that, end parentheses. We nurses tend to be the most social in the industry and we are the ones who have your back, which is why it's all fitting that you are receiving this letter from a nurse. I mention these things because I want you to know that I am in no way a Luddite in the area of social media healthcare. I am happy that more and more of you are starting to understand that social and other digital software can have important roles to play in connecting with others in your field. Communicate more continuously and effectively with your patients, help close the gaps in care, quicken your health, for vetted and timely information, and otherwise be a part of the fast-evolving 21st century of medicine. But, but, I do have concerns. I think there are too many people on the web offering advice to you on how to use social media. Most of this advice is just regurgitated advice from people who you may have never heard before. Probably me. But who got famous years ago simply because they were the first to voice their ideas before anybody else? Probably talking about me. He says in parentheses here, if you want the names, I'm happy to oblige, just email me. You know, surprisingly, I'm probably not even on that list, so whatever. He goes on to say, you don't really need how-to tips on blogging or Twitter. If you aren't experienced, then just create accounts, experiment and Google for a few videos or posts that give you the basics. That's all you need. Oh, I'm confident that you'll be told otherwise, but those folks, well-intentioned as they may be, don't understand that you're smarter than that. You're bright. You got through organic chemistry and medical school in years of residency. You're also frustrated. Most likely, you didn't sign up for what you're presently doing. Take brilliance and frustration and forge new ways of using these tools. Avoid the contamination of mediocre minds, probably me, who believe in tricks and tips to gain things. I can give you advice, but my advice is what uh, my advice is for what I do. I wouldn't recommend what I do and how I do it to most people. I do what I do because it's what I do. <laughs> That's a Phil Baumanism if I've ever heard one. I do what I do because it's what I do. Dooby dooby doo. <laughs> if you follow the common advice, you'll follow the same advice everyone else follows. Nobody will see what makes you different. You will eventually be abandoned no matter how temporarily successful you feel. Do what you do and do it the best way possible. Think about subtle problems and opportunities stemming from the presence of technological and media changes transpiring now. Think about ethics and therapeutic communication and medical education. Lend your freshing perspectives. Heck, talk about things no one else talks about Rather than learn bad habits from the get-go, take advantage of your lack of experience. It's okay to make mistakes that don't cause harm and violate the privacy and dignity of others. We've been given tools that can change our world and help make medicine and the rest of caring better. It's not too late. If you give us fresh paint on a fresh canvas with your wisdom... Experience, science, and humor, then we will be stuck with the voices of those who copied and pasted sloppy ideologies into healthcare, social media. You're better than that. Give us the truths that are enduring and universal at the actualities of your experiences. Medicine is the medium. Don't let these media become the medicine. Don't let the patients out there who deserve the highest quality information, insight, leadership, and nudging, they deserve. Lift them up. Love, Phil down. <laughs> oh, Phil's at it again. Yeah, you know, I've been talking about, you know, similar things, you know. Not exactly, and not as succinctly, and not as eloquently as Phil does. But there's always a race for relevancy. The race for relevancy, what does that mean? That means to me is that, you know, you got to be more than a one-trick pony. You have to, you know, like in other industries, invent yourself, reinvent yourself, uh, and try to find you know, similar success to a previous project. Because everybody knows you hardly ever, ever reproduce and recreate the magic of that very first project that may have gotten you some internet notoriety. <laughs> I mean for me, you know, it's going all the way back to those Doctor Anonymous days, you know, and you know, it was nice, it was nice being anonymous, and now it's, you know, have to try to reinvent yourself, try to remain relevant to the discussion. Try to re- remain relevant to healthcare, social media, as new people come, as the new flavors of the month come up in the blogosphere and on Twitter and on Facebook. It is those people from the old days <laughs> Try to stay relevant and, and uh, <laughs> try not to take that historical role, but still try to take that cutting-edge role out there. That's what I think that Phil is trying to say. Um, and I definitely uh, uh, understand that because there's a lot of people out there who uh, are saying the same things that we've been saying all along, but you know, they're treated not like rock stars, but they're treated like they – Know something because they're due, they're fresh, uh, they have a you know a, a different type of presentation style. But uh, it is people who have been out there the longest, out there that are trying to you know recreate the past, to recreate you know their initial success, and to continue to ride that into the sunset, which can't happen. And I know that I will never be as Internet famous as I was a few years ago, but that's not what really drives me. <laughs> and I've said on this show before, what drives me is innovation. What drives me is to do different things, uh, do things that have never been done before, to fail a lot, and to have a lot of fun doing it. That's why I continue to do social media. I know that you know I did a lot of speaking last year. I'm not doing a lot of speaking this year. I think all of that is drying up. Um and uh now I can really enjoy social media without my own little pressure of saying, Hey, you know, how do I remain famous? How do I keep going? Things like speaking and, and doing those type of things which get me in the spotlight doesn't doesn't drive me anymore doesn't motivate me anymore it's just it's just making connections with really great people out there from all over the globe uh and talking with people and having a lot of fun doing it so that's our show here for our first show of uh 2013 and uh i'm hoping to mix up the format of this show i've been in contact with some people to try to do some different things with the podcast here and it's not me just talking the whole show but trying some different things trying to innovate the show here a little bit Uh, And uh, I'm very excited with uh, some projects and possibilities that I have for 2013. Uh, Thank you so much for joining me here today, whether it's live or uh, listening on the Archive Podcast. Again, uh, I invite you to check out the website, familymedicinerocks.com, that gets you to all of my social media platforms, including a YouTube page. You know I have a YouTube page, uh, in addition to Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn um, and all of the rest. Uh, So that ends the show. Thank you so much uh, for joining me. And, uh, you know, follow uh, FamilyMedicineRocks.com and and probably my Twitter, uh, twitter com slash uh, Dr. Mike Savilla, to get you the most current updates of what I'm doing and uh, when future shows will be. So Happy New Year, everybody. And I hope you had a great uh, holiday season. And uh, I will catch you all uh, down the road uh, in a little bit. Have a great day, have a great week, have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you all very soon. Have a great day, everybody.